0: Travel is still one of the unknowns where you really can't control your environment very well.
1: Hello, I'm Faith Rogers, host of today's program, COVID-19, Keeping Up with a Moving Target. This is the March 17th update of DKB Med Radio's Coronavirus Educational Series. Thank you for joining us. This activity is jointly provided by the Postgraduate Institute for Medicine, DKB Med, and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Today's program is accredited for ANCC and AAPA credit, as well as AMA PRA Category 1 credits. Please visit our website for complete CE information. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the red Claim Credit button in the webinar console to attest for credit. Otherwise, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. Today's learning objective is to discuss the current knowledge of protection from COVID-19 after infection or vaccination. This educational activity is supported by independent medical educational grants from Gilead Sciences, Incorporated, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, Incorporated, and Eli Lilly & Company, as well as in-kind support by DKB Med, LLC. All activity content and materials have been developed solely by the activity directors, planning committee members, and faculty presenters. With us today, we have Dr. Paul Allwater, Clinical Director of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Dr. Allwater, thank you so much for your time today.
0: Thank you, Faith. Uh, Let's see what questions we have coming up this week.
1: Okay, great. Let's start here. What is known about the length of protection, so positive antibodies from native immunity versus vaccine?
0: Faith, these are questions which I think will continue to have additive knowledge from research. We know from studies in the United Kingdom that uh, protective immunity after people who have had COVID-19 is at least 85%, and that was at about the eight to nine month mark. And as now we're at the one year uh, stance uh, in many countries from having had their first cases of COVID-19, we'll we'll gather more. What's key to me, and what I tell patients about uh, recovery from COVID-19, is that some people appear not to have very robust immune responses, and most of the COVID reinfections that have been uh, seen have occurred uh, in people that may not have had significant symptoms, or may even have been asymptomatically infected. So those are one of the reasons why immunization uh, against COVID-19 is still recommended. Now, what about we know about the vaccine responses? And there's some preliminary evidence, uh, for example, from the Moderna vaccine that was published in early January in a letter by WIDGE that looked at their cohort from the phase one, phase two studies. Now, these are obviously healthy people as opposed to those that have significant immune compromise or older ages. But there, there was very little decay in antibody responses 119 days after uh, receipt of their immunization. So to me, this really does suggest uh, a a fairly durable immunity. And and we'll know as months move on exactly uh, how long and whether there's a need for boosters faith.
1: Okay, and this learner says, everyone is asking me about the safety of air travel once they received both shots of their vaccines and waited at least two weeks after the second shot. What advice should I give to these individuals?
0: Yeah, so I think this remains a response that at the moment has to be a bit individualized. I think people who have already gotten their uh, shots probably have had some advanced age or Uh, risk factors in many circumstances. So those are people that if they were to contract COVID-19 could be at more serious risk for developing severe enough infection to land you in the hospital and so on. What we know from both the uh, Johnson, uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine or any of the mRNA vaccines by Moderna and Pfizer, uh, is that uh, there's a very high degree of protection from severe COVID-19. Uh, in fact, very few people uh, appear to land in the hospital. And real world experience from Israel, even in people over 70 years, found that um, there was about a 92% efficacy against um, severe illness that might land you in the hospital. So, if someone wants to be very conservative, given that rates in the community of COVID-19 are still very high, uh, travel is still one of the unknowns where you really can't control your environment very well. But for the most part, your risks would be significantly reduced. But it 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 wouldn't be the kind where you'd say, "Gosh, you know, uh, there's really no chance of you acquiring COVID-19 and landing in the hospital," because we know from the Israeli experience that that's still uh, possible. And Faith, uh, I want to add to that by saying the Centers for Disease Control uh, yet maintains discouraging against uh, travel except for essential circumstances, yet uh, we've all seen news reports that air travel has significantly increased. I think uh, people are already gauging that there's reduced risk after immunizations, but I think the Centers for Disease Control appropriately is still recognizing that there are a number of viral variants circulating, uh, that uh, transmission issues aren't still understood completely in people that have received vaccines. So wearing masks are still a strong recommendation in any kind of public situation, and the advice about travel is really quite limited.
1: Thank you for that. And here's another one. Is the social distancing guidance about six feet going to change? I've heard some rumblings about three feet or one meter.
0: So, Faith, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Typically, uh, there are trial balloons that are sometimes floated or leaked uh, when there are going to be changes uh, to the press. I'm not certain this is the case. Uh, To me, I think this uh, would not be prudent at the moment. Uh, We know uh, the coronavirus is uh, more contagious than influenza and that uh, six feet is the minimum distance, especially if people aren't wearing masks. Now, uh, if people are wearing masks and uh, you're in uh, areas that have good circulation, three feet may make some sense. not everyone wears masks well, they fall under their nose, they may sneeze, you know, these sorts of things. And I think everyone sort of understands the six foot uh, aspect for social distancing. So I think reducing it to three feet doesn't make sense as long as we're still trying to be as careful as possible, given the high uh, rates in many communities across the United States.
1: Okay, and can you comment on the AstraZeneca vaccine and the current concerns about blood clots?
0: Yeah, so Faith, the AstraZeneca vaccine is an interesting vaccine in the sense that it's a little bit different than the three that are approved uh, for emergency use in the United States. This uses a non-replicating chimpanzee adenovirus and the spike protein genetic component that's incorporated into the vaccine product is a bit different than the mRNA vaccines or the Janssen vaccine. What has stimulated this interest are reports of blood clots, uh, which the WHO and a number of uh, public health authorities have strongly argued to date, don't appear to be above the baseline incidence that would occur at any rate. Now, personally, and although I'm just only reading news reports about this, some of the clots and conditions uh, fall into the more rare categories, such as uh, cerebral sinus clots, for example. Interestingly, overall, the risk-benefit of vaccine versus acquiring COVID disease probably still falls strongly in favor of receiving the vaccine. That's why the WHO has come out rather strongly on this many individual countries in Europe and elsewhere have halted immunizations while uh, there is a review of this kind of information. I think this is just unfortunate in the sense that this has come up. The numbers of clocks are not high, and I fear that it does uh, unfortunately cast a pall over uh, the vaccine uh, strategies such that people that are on the fence may be uh, remaining there uh, considerably longer, or at least with respect to this vaccine, which may be undeserved. So there's always an abundance of caution with giving healthy people uh, vaccines. I quite understand that. Uh, But given the public health urgency, I think these aspects need to be tempered. And interestingly, of course, the United Kingdom apparently, is not seeing this, nor have really any of the clinical trials, which at this point do number in the tens of thousands. So, although millions of these uh, vaccines have been administered, it's a story that will continue, but uh, I think countries may have uh, swung too conservative in this aspect.
1: All right, and our next question, are monoclonal antibodies being used more frequently now, and is there any evidence that the variants are affecting its efficacy?
0: Now, Faith, the monoclonal antibodies are still being underutilized. There are three uh, products available, the latest of which is a combination product with bamlanivimab, which was the first monoclonal antibody against the spike protein of the coronavirus that now is administered with a second monoclonal antibody called eticivimab. I think this still is underutilized strategy because it is, an, intravenous approach that requires a referral and is only given in certain uh, places in uh, most states, so not everyone is very comfortable with the whole process or familiar with it. The other chink at the moment is this. uh, The 351 variant, which was originally uh, discovered in South Africa, is present in a number of states here uh, in the U.S. and any of the monoclonal antibody products do not appear to have in vitro effectiveness and neutralization against this particular viral variant. So because patients at the moment uh, will not know, nor their clinicians, which virus uh, they are infected with Uh, this probably will reduce some of the efficacy grossly compared to the studies that were published earlier when uh, other strains were circulating. So I think this is a story we'll learn more of. Uh, There'll no doubt be monoclonals that can be produced that would be effective against this 351 variant. Uh, But overall, uh, I don't think there should be a reason why people uh, are not recommending it for patients that are at high risk for severe COVID-19, meaning hospitalization or or death.
1: Okay, while we're talking about therapeutics, is there any progress towards development of treatments for mild to moderate COVID?
0: Uh, Faith, there are a number of uh, approaches uh, with antiviral products. Uh, The one that I might mention was recently uh, presented at CROI, and this was an antiviral compound, which is now going by the name of molnipravir, and this appeared to work in mild to moderate COVID-19 by uh, decreasing uh, the amount of virus uh, after uh, five days of administration. Now, the numbers that were presented were small. I believe these um, randomized control trial studies using this in the outpatient arena are close to completion, and we may be hearing more about this. I do think this is uh, one area where oral medication that could be used for patients who might be at high risk, just as we use oseltamivir for influenza, uh, would be a step forward if this kind of approach proves effective. Uh, There are a number of other strategies, including inhalational products, uh, but I think this is Uh, One of the approaches, and there are uh, uh, at least one other oral antiviral that I'm aware of that are currently in trials, might hold the most promise.
1: And along those lines, is remdesivir being tested in other non-IV formulations?
0: So Faith, uh, remdesivir is a pro-drug that's administered intravenously because if you take this drug by mouth, it's not uh, processed properly into the pro-drug. Uh, Remdesivir itself, though, uh, is being studied as an inhalational product, so that's uh, one approach, which, of course, uh, given uh, the respiratory aspect of the coronavirus means that you're delivering the drug uh, potentially at high concentrations right to the primary sites of replication. The other uh, approach that I believe the manufacturer is also uh, engaged is to study the active molecule, that is what the prodrug is metabolized to as an intravenous uh, drug. So those are just two aspects that I'm aware of, and we may hear more uh, down the road.
1: Thank you. And this is our final question for today. Is it likely that COVID vaccinations will be administered annually, like flu vaccines?
0: So Faith, I think as long as certain vaccines are so efficacious, such as the Janssen vaccine, the message RNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, if they uh, pan out what seems to be very effective uh, prevention uh, from preliminary data, unless viral variants significantly change and uh, these vaccines are no longer effective, I don't think there will be annual requirements. The question is whether there will be periodic boosters, and of course, this will only Uh, be known with time. Uh, I think these new message RNA vaccines are very hard to know, because they've not been used, how long their immunity will last. Uh, More conventional vaccines, uh, such as the adenovirus-based Janssen vaccine, uh, I think you have a better sense, but we're still in the very early phases of understanding how well they work. So uh, in short, it boils down to two issues continued monitoring of patients that have been immunized and looking for breakthrough infections that are severe enough to land in the hospital. And and the second is just uh, seeing if the coronavirus itself mutates substantially enough, such as currently organized vaccines uh, are not as protective as they were er uh, earlier in the pandemic.
1: Thank you, Dr. Allwater, and thank you to our learners for those very insightful questions. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the red claim credit button in the webinar console to attest for credit. Otherwise, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. Any questions or issues, feel free to email us at the address listed. To submit questions, please send them to qa at dkbmed.com. That's Q as in question, A as in answer at dkbmed.com. Again, thanks for joining us and thank you for your dedication to your patients with COVID-19.